Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, folks, welcome back. Yes, back-to-back days or back-to-back podcasts in your feed. Two podcasts close together in football. That's right mwr.com it's championship week jeremy moss here hanging out with uh, this time the other matt well we have two matt so let's just see the other matt each time i talk to him. matt kennerly for our non-homerific podcast maybe a little bit because we know matt's a fresno guy but you, you ready how excited I, are you for this one uh, or scared what's better i don't know if excitement is the right word uh it's like the like a creeping dread not a is it a nervous anticipation I think a lot of other people are more optimistic than I am. Okay. Um, yeah, because I, I was talking to someone on Twitter after the game, and they were talking about how they had been in the vicinity of, of Fresno State players who, in in paying attention to last Saturday's game between Boise State and Utah State, they wanted the Broncos. And so now it's like, okay, well, you got them, so we'll see. Let's do this. Okay, first off, let's, yeah, we'll get to the game. We've got some newsy stuff. Um also, if you, like I mentioned, two podcasts. We had Matt Wedley and our, our good buddy Raj Prabal, Boise Fresno guy. I kind of just hung out, kind of gave my two cents here and there. So some of that stuff might be repeated by me a little bit. So if you want to go here, just like I said, the uh, they just went at it. Like, I didn't care. I was like, say what you want to say. You can say the team's terrible and have nothing to back it up, which they did not really do at all. So it was still very informative, but we wanted to bring those guys on. So listen to that. You have this here. And before we get to the games, before we get to – Matt, we got to discuss for a moment San Jose State Fresno at the end at okay. some point. But let's get to some new stuff. So, bowl, bowl eligible teams. We have seven. Matt, how many spots does the conference have? Uh, officially five. Am I, am I correct? You are correct. Five. Cheese It Bowl is a backup, which, depending how things work out with the Oklahoma Texas game, could open up. Mm-hmm. I, um, I don't see Oklahoma getting the playoff, but craziness could happen. And the one problem is Wyoming is going to be left out. Craig Thompson basically said as much. I think is on, a, what, KTIK on Tuesday this week or Thursday, whenever it was, Wednesday. I don't know. One day this week, depending when you're listening, doesn't matter. Basically, I said Wyoming's on the outside looking in. So I went through it. I put up a piece yesterday, and our guy Jesse's going to have something else as well. Because did you know, Matt, have you seen who Wyoming has lost to this year? Yeah, I saw the list that Jesse put out there. And it's one of those instances where, you know, you Wyoming – in, in the grand scheme of things, took care of business against teams that they probably should have taken care of, but we're punching up a little bit against some pretty good opponents, all things considered. Yeah, Washington State, Boise State, uh, Utah State. like t- all the, I think every team that lost to Missouri has been ranked or is currently ranked at some point in the year. Yeah. And so problem is you have six losses. I don't know where that seventh win could have come from. I guess Hawaii is a really bad one, but Hawaii has eight wins. Yeah, they, they let that one against the, the Warriors get away from them because if you recall, Chevin Cordero came in in the fourth quarter and led them on a last-ditch touchdown drive. Just like Bruce UNLV he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're on the outside looking in partly because there's going to be 81, maybe 82 bowl-eligible teams, depending what Virginia Tech does, which they are make-up game versus Marshall, and they're, I think, a five-point favorite despite Marshall having like eight or nine wins. Go mm-hmm. figure. G5 bias. I don't know. But – they're going to get in no matter what. So basically, with the Mountain West having five spots, 
wins matter because it doesn't matter if you have seven wins, you're getting in before a six-win team for extra spots. And we already know BYU is getting in regardless because they were supposed to go to the Poinsettia Bowl, which would have been not this year, but we were familiar with that bowl game. They're in no matter what with six. And so there's no, there's no realistic way. And looking through like who has more bowl-eligible teams in bowl spots, you have the Mountain West. I think I put in there, I should have in front of me, I think the MAC. Mm-hmm. Also, how the heck does Conference USA have seven bowl bids? Their commissioner's doing work, apparently. Ooh, Craig Thompson, another jab, I guess. I don't know. I mean, maybe it could also just be the fact that there are more places, theoretically, mm-hmm. to hold a bowl the further well, east you go. Well, also, that's why he doesn't, the Conference doesn't want to go back to like the Liberty Bowl or go to, was it a Cure Bowl? A couple years ago, San Jose State went. They'd rather, because look where the bowl games are at Vegas, Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawaii, Idaho, New Mexico. So they're all at West. You can go into Texas a little bit, but there's also no real Midwest Bulls either unless you go to the uh, Indianapolis, I think. There's a bowl game there where the Mac champ usually goes. Yeah, I think the, the Quick Lane Bulls in Detroit. Yeah, so it's even a little bit farther east east and central, but that's part of it. But while it's it just sucks because also it's kind of interesting. I, I'm part of some San Diego State fan group for some reason on Facebook. Just I got in there years ago. I'm like, oh, I'll post their stuff occasionally. There's people freaking out that the Aztecs aren't going to bowl game. I typed in. No, like, the Aztecs are going to a bowl I'm game. I'm like, calm down. There's too much fear. I put in there because I, our buddy Ted put some of our stuff in there, and so we kind of chat back and forth. I'm looking at it. I'm like, there's this one guy. I'm like, oh, I got an lawyer. Let's go. Just curious occasionally to see. It's like, what, what are we going to do? Maybe these guys should get a kick in the butt by not going to the bowl game. Like, really? You're going to. That's going to motivate guys who aren't playing anymore after this year to sit in the couch and watch football when they yeah. get one last chance to ever, ever shoot up and play this type of football ever again. So it's like, no, they're, they're, first off, that's stupid. If you get, I used to be, there's too many bowl games, which there are, but I'll watch them all. I'll watch as many as possible. I'll check scores oh, yeah. on a lot of these. So I'd prefer not five win teams. That's kind of where I draw the line. I'd rather have good football, but if there's an option to go, go. And then you see all this ludicrous, like, Hey, a 10 win army team could be left out. I'm like, no, they're not going to be left out no. because they're not going to pull a Louisiana tech a couple years ago and say, we're going to wait for a better bowl game. Then get left out, then lose your head coach. And then this, this, and this happens They're They're in, but Aztec fans, you're fine. Well, I mean, fans, it, it does suck because they've dropped a couple bowl games and we all, we all know man, every power five team's going to get a, get a, get a, get going to get in because bowl games, it's a TV show. It's an event. They want to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. So Wyoming, Louisiana, Monroe, whatever these extra teams I pointed out that aren't gonna, that aren't guaranteed a spot because their bowl allotment fills out. That's unfortunate. There's a small hope I'd say if somehow well, this will transition to our next topic in a moment. If the American doesn't get the near six bid, which means Memphis wins, mm-hmm. and then you have Boise Fresno winner get in, that's going to help. But I still don't know if that's going to be enough kind of a big if at this I th- point. I think it also help if the if the here's why I think how why we can get into a bowl game. Cheese the bowl opens up because somehow Oklahoma gets to the playoff and then Boise Fresno winner gets to near six game because that should give the Mountain West seven spots. But that's a lot to happen and Wyoming's just kinda like, holy crap, come on, root for this, root for that. They yeah, might as well, right? Who who doesn't want chaos? Also, you know what really chaos some people would it's kinda mean for me to say but I'll say it. Because um we're we know UCF's good, but we're still hesitant to say they're top 10 good. Right? Is that okay to say? Yeah. I mean, at this point, uh, I don't know. Whatever. Would you like <laughs> – here's what I'd like to see, but it'll still be backlash. 
chaos happened. They move up to four and lose eighty to zero versus Alabama. <laughs> they're not going to lose eighty to zero to Alabama. Okay, sixty four to five. Uh, five. No, they're well without Milton. Maybe <laughs> that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's and that's kind of mean to say, but it's like if they had Milton, that'd be fine to see, and they do a fine job. But whatever. Um, actually, there's one more news bit, Matt. Um, um, let's have the the other Matt, Matt Wells, Texas Tech. Another Matt, yeah. I he's apparently one of the leaders front runners to the guys out the uh what is it the um lubbock avalanche i believe it's called mm-hmm. what do you think about that is they do they want to have matt wells because if you look at the oh well i looked at the twitter feed of the guy who broke the news about hey he's a front runner every gif or response was why this is terrible no see here's the thing i mean i'm i'm i, I i'm not a head coach obviously yeah me neither. Just, um, just to clarify, we're neither if, head coaches. If I had the choice between a million dollars and living in Logan, or I don't know, let's say three million dollars to live in Lubbock, um, I've never been to either place, but I'm pretty sure Logan's a little bit nicer than being in the middle of nowhere. Logan, I've been to Logan, Utah. It is isolated, however, and it's also freezing cold in the winter. One of the coldest places in the state of Utah. It's extremely pretty if you like that the foliage in the fall like late september or october beautiful which i do yes you are if you like to go hiking those type of things that's nearby which i don't know how much time they have but also you are good if you want to do something in salt lake you are 90 minutes from salt lake city you are there's also a town north of like ogden which is kind of a metropolitan area just not quite as big you're about an hour Mm -hmm. from there you're not ter- you're you're kind of tucked away, but not really tucked away from if you want to go do some big stuff. And yeah. it's not a super small town because I've been to like people talk about. Uh, there's this little town, kind of. If you go from Utah down to Colorado, there's an off the beaten pathway to get to I seventy. It's kind of like where Provo is at, which is where BYU is located, which is growing and growing. There's a spot where it's kind of the opposite of the spectrum. It's called how is it? I think Nephi or Price or something, whatever. Some coal town, super tiny, smaller than Logan. But it's it's just kind of a similar thing, but opposite direction. They'll put billboards. Hey, you're only 80 miles, 90 miles from the big city mall in Provo, Utah, to go see the University Mall. Which it's it's nice. It's just it's kind of a little humorous. It's a super small town, but it's no it's not like Logan. So you're it's kind of the same spectrum. I'd rather be in Logan than that small town because there's literally nothing out there because there's not a college town of 20,000 minimum. You know what I mean? 10,000 students plus whomever. And in Lubbock, they call it Mars, essentially, because it is what it is. I've driven through Lubbock, going from Utah to Houston, wasteland, nothing. Like, you're not – to get to anywhere, It's there's nowhere to get anywhere. You're not near El Paso, which is a decent-sized city. You're eight, six, eight hours from Dallas. You're That's that's basically the halfway point from Salt Lake City to Houston, almost, like a 12-hour difference. So you're not near anything. Well, and see, and here's the thing, like even just thinking about the job in respect to the competition that Wells or anybody else would step into, do you really want to go in year in and year out against Oklahoma at this point? Or you know, Texas. Do you, or Texas. Or which, TCU or Oklahoma. I don't know. I don't know. Have, we de- have we determined whether Texas is officially back or not? I'm, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Okay. So you're dealing with those two teams, you know, and, and – I mean, I just don't, I don't know. I mean, I know that the rest of the conference is mostly kind of iffy, mm-hmm. but what is the what is the guarantee that he's going to do any better than Cliff Kingsbury did? Who, by the way, did improve that defense to be at least average in the Big 12 when it was garbage with Mike Leach, who cared zero anything about defense. Mm-hmm. So, 
that's also one last thing. We'll move on. It, and it's still early. It's not clear. It's sub one reporter, which I'm assuming he's in the mix because Colorado's his name's been brought up as is Brian Harsey. We're not going to dive into that, but this has been more tangible than just saying, "Hey, he's a good fit" because he's a West Coast guy. A mm-hmm. um, couple things. Recruiting's a big deal. He's only coached at New Mexico for a couple years in Tulsa, so that's in the region. But you could also get leftovers and be fine in Texas Tech. And are they thinking he's going to bring this great defense? Because Matt Wells is an offensive guy. He's never been coaching the defense side of the ball, ever. Mm-hmm. He's always been tight end coach, running back coach, OC, obviously head coach. And how much is it David Yost or is it how much is Matt Wells? Because he brought in Yost after losing Heupel, who when Heupel's not UCF, the offense wasn't very good. And mm-hmm. so what do you want from him? Do you want him to bring – does Texas Tech want the same system that they've always had? Then you bring in Wells and Yost because that makes the most sense mm-hmm. because it's Yost's, Yost offense essentially. Or do you want to think he'll do great defense? But what's a good defense in the Big 12, giving up 35 points a game instead of 45? I don't know. I'm just And he's not going to get $3 million. He's going to get – they're going to pay less. He's getting – like I think his if Wells stays, his salary bumps up to right around a million. He's like nine. What did I put in the article? Just over 900K. Okay, if they pay him two million, is that worth it? Like you said, the money is that much money worth it? And the headache of how are you going to recruit to Lubbock? How, how do you have a private plane to go everywhere? Because there's there's no airport nearby, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're good. Let's move to games. Are we good? I think that's yeah. Let's news. do it. Uh, oh, also, wait, Hawaii. Aloha to the Hawaii. Oh yes, playing La Tech. The throwback to the old whack days. Yeah, this is the uh, eighth time to play in the Hawaii Bowl, eleventh bowl game overall. So. Bulldogs, Warriors, that should be... LaTeX not too bad. They stumbled down the stretch, but they started 6-2. and two. Pretty good team. Well, they've got some in, uh, some pretty nice individual talents that are going to, you know, they're getting a lot of uh, NFL helium. So we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. Yeah, a couple guys. Receiver-quarterback combo is pretty good. So, all right, so uh, let's get to this game here. Let's backtrack a tiny bit. Okay. How, did you watch... You told me you did not watch much of the first half of San Jose State, Fresno State. No, I was out... You're blessed. In, in San Clemente, which, you know, if you were there last weekend, you would not blame me at all. No kidding. Uh, I came back with about three minutes left in the first half and noticed it was still scoreless. <laughs> You're like, what? Huh? <laughs> well, like, what? I mean, There's I wasn't ten... expecting. I wasn't expecting them to go all Utah State on the on the Spartans because that's not really Fresno State's style. But I was still thinking, you know, what is going on? You're thinking Tedford's really put in the new guys to get that four game roll to get some talent in there to play. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But this game, I watched the first half, and maybe it's just, who knows, they weren't interested. It was senior night, but you're playing San Jose State, who hasn't been all that great. Uh, San Jose State, did they decided to say, we're going to let Marcus McMurray beat you in the throwing game. And he did mm-hmm. not in the first half. They were only rushing three guys, but yet still getting pressure. This wasn't like a covered sack where he just couldn't find a guy open because it's eight on four, essentially, mm-hmm. defenders versus receivers. They were still getting pressure all day in the first half against him. And so he's overthrowing passes, getting hit, getting sacked, getting pressured, getting hurried. They weren't running the ball despite doing a three-man rush, which you say, okay, yes, we'll run the ball with three guys, with Mims and Hoke back there. Why not, right? Yeah. But third quarter, the first two drives, precision, whatever was said, they were great. So I don't know how much concern that is too, but the first half, like, if Boise rushes only three, their three are better than San Jose State's three for the most part. I mean, I really don't think that's going to happen. Um, I don't think Boise is just going to be content to sit back and let things happen. No. I think they're going to probably bring more pressure. They are. That's just watch the game. It's like I don't. I don't want to take too much of it because it's one game and one half of a game. But it was just kind of odd to see like they couldn't get things done. So yeah. what? So one to ten, from what I've told you of what you've said in that first half, are you concerned at all going into this week? 
No, because I mean they also played the second half. It's true. There are and, two halves. And of the second <laughs> half was a lot closer to kind of what I expected, where the defense stepped up, made big plays. You know, Aaron Mosby had the big pick six for mm-hmm. ninety-five yards and a touchdown. That's right. Uh, McMarion was throwing darts in the second half, so I mean it all turned out fine. Yeah, so I'm not really concerned okay. about defense that. defense. Was fine. Defense is great. Offense is concerning. So this game. Oh, maybe we should mention Matt. It's not a late kickoff. It's a four forty-five Pacific, five forty-five mm-hmm. Mountain Time on regular old ESPN. And I did complain about the time slot earlier when I did when, I, when the game was announced, like about two months ago. I'm not concerned anymore. But you know why? Uh, because Clemson is playing Pitt at the exact same time. And Northwestern is playing Ohio State basically at the exact same time. Yeah. So who cares, right? Yeah, because Pittsburgh's going to lose by 30 points, and Northwestern might make it fun for a quarter. But And the SEC game is well, who knows? CBS likes to burn those commercials into the ground. They like that extra 20 seconds per spot, I believe. 15 mm-hmm. seconds per spot. So there's a chance that game might bleed over a tiny bit. But get to the, this is going to be the game. This Okay, we're going to sound homerish. Outside of Texas, Oklahoma, this is, prob- this is probably the number two game. Because I expect Alabama probably to steamroll Georgia. I think a lot of that standing is going to depend on what happens in the Memphis UCF game. Yeah. That kicks off earlier in the afternoon. Yeah, well, let's bring that up really quick. So that's a... Uh, not a 10 a.m. Mountain Time kick, so Matt, they got some. It's not morning football for us. Mm-mm. It's a nice 3:30 kick Eastern Time, 12:30 out West. Memphis at UCF. This game opened as a uh, seven-point favorite for. Uh, this line's not right, but seven point for Memphis or excuse me, UCF went down to three for UCF, which with Kinsey gone, that makes a lot of sense. Um, here's what we need to happen this game if we want the night night game to have even more intrigue. Memphis to clearly win. Yes. And they played. They played last year, right? In the title game, was this is this a rematch? Uh, it is, I believe, if I remember correctly, it was sixty-two to fifty-two in the points. championship game last year. A lot of points. And with Milton McKenzie out of this game, it's going to be a lot different because UCF's defense isn't very good, and we don't know much about their new quarterback. He didn't do much last week versus USF because he already had a lead. He didn't throw very well. They just kind of ran the ball a bit. But I'm looking real quick. Uh, team ranking a number of fire super quick before we get back to our game. UCF thirty four thirty team ranking number five forty one to thirty uh, for UCF. Interesting. Do you have what S and P is up in front of you? Do you have their? I do. They have profile? it at uh, UCF thirty eight, Memphis twenty eight. I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, I don't know how much that accounts for Milton's absence though, because it's predictive based on what they've done to this point, and what they've done to this point has been dependent in no small part to the quarterback who's not going to be playing in this game. Yeah, and Memphis has won four in a row. They scored, they're averaging about 50 points a game just about the past couple mm-hmm. weeks. They did get blasted by Missouri. And remember, they only lost UCF by one point. Mm-hmm. And they basically gave that game away. Yeah, and didn't, weren't they lead? Yeah, they're up seven, uh, 17-7 at one point in the first half. Weren't they also up a bit higher? They're up by 10 they did, points. Yeah, and point. then they, they blew their opportunity to kick a game-winning field goal with really bad time management down the stretch. So we'll see. So if that happens, if they if Memphis wins, then the winner of our game will probably go to the Fiesta Bowl. And would you like to see Fresno State LSU, Matt? Does that excite you? Boise State LSU? Um, I think I can speak for every Fresno State fan that it would not matter who they're playing. It will, be, it will be a big deal if this happens. You know, it'd be great, uh, but it won't happen because the way bull tie-ins are. Texas versus whoever. Huh. <laughs> because uh, Sugar Bowl is just like the Rose Bowl. They're blatantly crappy where it has to be big 12 sec yeah so let's get to our game here 
Boise State, Fresno State. 22-ranked Boise State, 25th-ranked Fresno State. Boise State is a slim two-and-a-half-point favorite. This is the fourth time they've played in 700 372 oh, days. Not 700 days. I'm like, what am I talking about? It's like two years. Basically four times in a year, in one year, one calendar year. A year and a week, basically. A year, yeah. a year and a week. A home team has won every game. Um, ooh, man, these advanced numbers here, spicy. We'll get to those later because you're going to like these, Matt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what's your – we did our all-conference stuff. We did our player of the year, defensive player of the year. Um, so we addressed Jeffrey Allison. Did we miss on that or is that just kind of – what's the deal with that? See, that's the thing. It's you, People tend to frame the conversation about all-conference picks as like an all-or-nothing kind of thing. And really, at a lot of positions – there really are no wrong answers. You know, if they had, for instance, thinking about quarterbacks, mm-hmm. you could make a pretty convincing argument for Brett Rippon, who did end up as first team and offensive player of the year. But I also think you could make a pretty convincing argument for either Jordan Love or Marcus McMarion. Or um, if you really want to, Cole McDonald, just based on pure numbers. That's true. And so, you know, people like to point and say like, uh, yeah, y- y'all got it wrong. But, I mean, I don't know. It's is it? It's not a Vanderbilt. I almost feel like I almost feel like first team, second team really does a disservice because so many people are having really good years that you know it. it, It's not really a denigration as much as it is just you know the breaks of how the vote shook out. I don't think it's meant to be any disrespect to say that like at least seven linebackers had sensational years. And the example I threw out there was Logan Wilson. You know, we had you know, six linebackers on our two deep. He wasn't one of them. And, and he's really, really good. That's a guy who had over a hundred tackles. He, I believe had two forced fumbles and two interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. I don't have his numbers in front of me. Sounds like him. Yeah. But it was basically a typical Logan Wilson year. Which is really and, good and awesome. And he, and he just got overshadowed by guys who had similarly great years. And so as far as I know, I haven't heard any Wyoming fans complaining about that particular oversight. A little bit. There's a couple that more people, I guess, were Andrew Wingard. That's you know what that actually surprised me a little bit because he made first team. He did. I think it's because our, I had, oh, I think it's our pick. That was our pick. Yeah, really. that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I had seen beforehand that you know his numbers weren't quite up to par from where they had been in the past couple of years. So it did surprise me a little bit that when we when I was calculating our votes as a group he coalesced a lot more support than i think i would have expected but that you know it's good like I mean, who did you vote for for player of the year because i guess nobody voted for jeffrey allison in our in our group of a dozen guys uh who did i vote for i don't have that in front of me i voted for tisneo for san diego state he was like top seven in every major defensive category for like that tackles like tfl sacks i put him because of just he's all over the field he's making every play possible and mm-hmm. I put I put Allison's number two team. Um, I don't know. It's like it's not like Van Der Esch where we pretty much whiffed last year. That's pretty bad. But it's not like here's the thing. Like was Allison like you watch Fresno a lot? Was he? He's we know he's really really good. Is it then? Was it maybe the league or whoever saying okay they're probably the best defense? He's the best player in the defensive team. Is that what they did? Maybe. I mean I don't know. He's good. Because, I, it's because hard. It's could, hard. You it's tough. The, you could see the San Diego State fans complaining that Kaiva Tizino didn't get a lot of respect. And I think that I would tend to agree with them because he had a really good year too. 
Um, you know, we, we tabbed David Woodward, for instance, as our midseason player of the year. Mm-hmm. And then he didn't really do anything in the last month and a half to make us regret that. You know, he ended up having a really good year. It's like these, yeah. the numbers and all of these guys are so close to one another that it's, it's really hard to be mad one way or the other when one person inevitably has to emerge. So I, my one surprise, I guess, is Malik Reed. Cause I think I put him on my second, he made first team for ours and the guys who cover the team. Each. Oh, by the way, I did vote for Malik Reed for defensive player of the year. Okay, and and there's the thing is there's a lot of good players. Like he, he, I get it, he changed positions. I it's just splitting hairs. Like look at the second team. Like I put um we'll get to everything in a minute, but who is a Colorado State linebacker? Like a hundred. He basically did what uh, Frank Ginda did last year. Josh it, Watson. Yeah, like one hundred thirty tackles. I'm like yeah, Carl. It's I don't even think I put Carl, Carl Grandison in my first two team because how good it's crazy. There's. There's defenses league and people don't. I don't know. It's just get over yourself. I'm sorry, but it's so. Well, no, close. no. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. Well, just, I mean, I, mean, you know, like, I think it's. it's I think That's it just I mean. requires a reframing of how we think about these things because there's so many good players well, that be, it's yeah. really not a disrespect to say that one is that much better than the other, even though the entire system is set to. It's it's set up to make us think that. Yeah, and that, I don't mean get over like be rude about, it, but it's like it's it's an award. It's great. Your team's in a title game. Like, who cares if we pick them or not? If they go on to go to the Fiesta Bowl and win, you know what I mean? Or even if mm-hmm. they lose this weekend and go to the New Mexico Bowl and beat up on some Conference USA team. Yeah, it's I mean, like, nobody's nobody's getting a bonus because of how we voted. I don't know. know. Does Randy Edsel get a bonus? He gets some odd bonuses out there. Does any connect back to us? <laughs> Brian Harson did not get a bonus for getting for getting votes from us for Coach of the Year or something like that. It, it, it is. It's just very tough. It's like. There's so many good players on here in defense. It's like, I don't know, like, whatever. It, it's, it happened. It's what it is. And I don't think we missed. It's like, and also people who are looking at this, well, my guy, they're a Fresno guy. We watch enough of every team to know. Yes, I don't look at every team every week, every game, but I look at who they, like, how they played, and it's a big deal. And they're all great. It's like, we know he's really good. And so there's other guys who just happen to have better teams. And who cares if they play in Hawaii, whether teams – is okay or San Jose State where their team's not very good. Didn't we have three San Jose State players on our first team? We did. So it's like you could be on a team that's not good and still overachieve and be amazing. Like we had what Josh Oliver, um, Boogie Roberts, and um, Dakari Monroe. Dakari Monroe, who's really good secondary. And so whatever, it's it, it's fine. We know what we're doing, and every and our list isn't that much different if you look at everybody else's. Next year we should just do like an honor roll kind of thing and just come up with a list of fifty people. We already do yeah, that. Like these, these are the 50. We should just do a postseason top 50 or something and just not number it at all and just say, these are the 50 best players in the conference. Deal with it. <laughs> but no order just for the heck of it? No that. order at all. That way we don't have to have this conversation. No, nah, but when people complain and fight, they come visit our stuff. Yeah. Whatever. I don't care too much. I just wanted to like, just say, hey, there's a lot of good defenders. So let's get back to the game. All right, more game stuff because we, we can meander because we'll have one game to preview, but yet we're still at 30 minutes, which is fine, right? Yeah. Nobody cares. All right, so we did – I'm going to ask you this, and I'm going to pull up mine as well. Did you fill out the position edges yesterday or today? I did. So we'll go through that really quick because we're going to have a post on that. We have a roundtable questions we're going to put up Thursday. prediction, And that includes people who cover the team and not predictions as well, all sorts of stuff. So let's start with this. Who's your – who has the quarterback edge? I think it's Fresno State. Ooh. So you know how we were talking about how I just voted from Malik Reed for the defensive player of the year? Mm-hmm. I did not vote for Brett Rippon for offensive player of the year. Who did you vote and for? 
And I also, well, I voted for Preston Williams. Okay. And I also did not vote for Brett Rippon as a first team all conference pick. Man, hey, Boise, it's so advice. You should be oh, on last night's podcast, man. <laughs> see, see, here's the thing. I'm kidding. Here's kidding, the thing. Kidding, kidding. All right. I'm just going to tell everybody who, if you're if you're a Boise State fan and you're you're swerving your car off the road, relax, outraged. Just nope. just, just nope. go look at go look at, go look at the numbers. See, because I'm going to show you that on the one hand, you know, paint a story for us. Mc, <laughs> Marcus McMarion has a better completion rate than Brett Rippon. Seventy percent. That's ridiculous. And and that doesn't matter whether you slice it by the entire season or if you just whittle it down to conference play. He has an advantage either way. And just maybe to simplify things and focus more on common opponents and things like that, I'm just going to talk in terms of how they've done in conference play, right? So McMarion has the edge in completion rate, 69.7 to 68. He's thrown slightly fewer attempts, about 25 altogether. He also has averaged more yards per attempt. He has a better touchdown to interception ratio, and his passer rating is surpassed only by Jordan Love. So I really don't see why it's that much of a controversy to say that McMarion gives Bulldogs an edge. You know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm not saying it's a big edge. You know I'm what? saying that of, of all of the the uh, unit matchups that we're going to talk about in this podcast, that it's probably the slightest edge, but it is an advantage nonetheless. You know what it might be because. Not just because it's Boise State and people do we know pay a bit more attention. They've played who they played the past couple weeks to end the season. They beat Utah State, beat Fresno State, beating right all these ranked teams. So maybe there's more momentum. Like hey, they keep winning, and he's during those games. Trumbull Pierce's been fine, but I'm wondering if that could be it. Like you beat Utah State, you beat Fresno, you're beating their toughest schedule was the last couple couple weeks of the season. Okay, so then let's look down even further. Mm-hmm. If we're just going by the last four games that these quarterbacks played, so, so basically, basically the month of November. Okay, we could do that. November stats organized. They're dead, they're dead even. Okay, so actually, let me step, let me step back further. <laughs> they had the exact same amount of attempts in November: one hundred and twenty-three passes. That's crazy. <laughs> they have the exact same completion rate: seventy point seven percent. McMarion is still averaging over a yard more per attempt, and he has one fewer interception. Six to one, six to two. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a big edge, but I'm saying it's a slight edge. What I'm saying overall is that McMarion, at least from my point of view, is not going to be the reason that the Bulldogs win. I mean, he's not going to be the reason they lose this game if they lose this game. Mm -hmm. There are other factors which we're going to talk about that are, from my point of view, are going to play a larger role in how this game unfolds. I should make after this. I should change my pick. I pick Brett Rippin. <laughs> no, 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 no. You already, you already cast your die. Man. I did. You can't I change did. now. No, no, no. I'm just saying after hearing your arguments, convincing. But here's one thing I'd like to point out. Like last year, remember McMarion came during like fall camp, essentially. Mm-hmm. His, I and I, I believe I'm correct on this. I have to look exactly at the numbers, but I even said way back in, probably even during that preview last year recap, or maybe our January stupid first look, that this offense will be percentage-wise, probably, Utah State may surpass them because they just went nuts, and probably maybe mm-hmm. why, but the difference, not total-wise, but like percentage-wise or ratioed-wise, was probably the biggest jump. And I'm pretty confident saying that's, they're one of the top three outside of those two teams because nobody in the world thought Hawaii or Utah State would do what they did or even come close to it. And mm-hmm. so we saw last year, like he wasn't throwing the ball a ton last year. 
because when you come midseason, how much are they going to change and do? You know what I mean? It's just different last year to this year. He's had a full spring. He's had plenty of time. Because last year, he was – look at last year's total numbers. He's 8% percentage points better completion. He only had 14 mm-hmm. touchdowns last year. That's it, including the bowl well, game. If you, so, compare, if you compare what he did in conference play last year versus this year, by the end of the conference championship game, he'll have thrown more passes. He actually threw 253 times in conference play last year, which – kind of surprises me but as you alluded to all of those numbers completion rate yards per attempt touchdown to interception ratio all of those things have improved and from from where i'm standing it basically just comes down to the fact that mcmarion does not make mistakes and if you and you don't have to go that far to to see what i'm talking about we haven't seen mcmarion make the kind of throw that brett rippon did when he threw the interception to juju hughes in the first matchup Mm -hmm that cost them a scoring opportunity. So, and this is not to say that Boise State is not going to find a way to challenge him, but I I would be very surprised if he makes the same kind of mistake that he did in last year's championship game. Because if you recall, he was that was basically his worst throw of the year. He was off balance mm-hmm. and, and right to, I think it was, what was it, Van Der Esch? Yep, he got the game-sealing touchdown when they were near the red zone. Yeah. Or interception, so, sorry, pick. So basically, he hasn't made that kind of throw all season long. Three picks, and, three picks yeah. all year. That's it. And, 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 one and, has two, of, and two of them were like tip drills that weren't yeah. really his fault at all. And we need to bring up, or do you have one more thought to say on this? No, I'm just going to say, you know, that to me is where most of the advantage lies, is that we've seen Brett Rippon be erratic here and there, which is not to say that he will be in this game. That's what I was going to say. Like he Only that we've seen that possibility gone. more often than we've seen it with McMarion. There's a reason since he's a freshman we've called good Brett Rippon, bat Brett Rippon. Well, and, it... and, and it's not like I'm talking out of hand either because yeah. in, in the article that we're going to post either later today or tomorrow, we asked our staff this and it was 6-4 to four in favor of Boise State. So it's not like the, the difference between the two is that distinct. Yeah. And then like Nevada three picks. He's had BYU pick, Fresno. Like, like 29-7, like he's really good, but – McMarion's been more steady. I guess if I were to make the case for Brett Rippon is because he, when he's good, he's, I don't know, when he's at his best, who's better, you think? Is, should I go, because look what Rippon did last time, 24-29, 83%, not over nine yards of carry, or should not carry, attempt. I mean, when they're at their best, I guess in that case, I would give the edge to Rippon. Maybe that's what's going on. We've seen of. him make plays in the clutch pretty much all year long. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was against the Bulldogs, whether it was against Air Force, for instance, where they needed every bit of his production to win that game. Or, you know, in the second half against Nevada. So, I guess if we're talking, like, peak quarterback, then the edge would probably go to Rippon. But just overall, I would give it to McMarion. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's probably my thinking. Like, if they're at their best, I'd probably go... even, Even though I chose it fairly quickly, it's not like it was an easy choice. And, and the other thing, yeah, the other hard. thing to keep in mind too, which maybe is a is a nice segue toward towards talking about some of these other advantages that we that we talked about. Mm-hmm. McMarion's had to do this without the benefit of of a real steady. Well, I don't want to say an unsteady running game, but it's a running game that has been more um, like workman like per se. Mm-hmm. Because they found ways to get the running backs and, and the tight ends and everything into space to create plays through the passing game in a way that Boise State is not. But I'm in agreement with pretty much everybody who voted in terms of how the running games stack up. It's pretty clear that the Broncos have an advantage there, especially 
with the way that Alexander Madison has been playing lately. Yeah, the past couple weeks. And so I went with Fres- or Boise as well. Uh, I guess one advantage, if, if I'm looking for an edge, is that you remember last year's title game where Madison went out with that ankle injury? Mm-hmm. They brought, and I discussed this on the other show we did. Backup comes in extremely healthy, pretty good. So what the edge could be is that, yeah, Madison's really good, great. Not that he gets hurt, that's what I'm saying, but just war- 30 carries, whatever he may get, he may not be able to keep the energy up throughout the whole game. And where Boise can go back and forth, back and forth, they might have more juice in the tank late in the game when they need to either, say, run the clock out if they're ahead by mixing those guys up, getting the key first down, or when it's third and short, maybe fourth and short, they go for it. They don't, they're not using the same guy over and over and over. They're going back and forth. So that's so you're one. so you're thinking that maybe Andrew Van Buren is playing this game. Well, not necessarily, but the two two main guys who run the ball. I'm just saying they're going to be more fresh than one Madison potential. That's like if I'm looking for an edge, maybe the third guy gets in for a few carries to spell them occasionally. But what I'm getting at is like if it's late in the game, guys are tired. Guys are even though they're you know I mean they're they're ready for this game. It's not gonna be oh I'm tired I can't play coach, but a guy's more fresh. If you have 12 carries compared to Madison to 20. That's just I'm they're splitting hairs almost for I know to get Fresno even closer to to Madison because Madison is elite. Look what he did second half last couple weeks ago, but if they're going to run two guys, I'm just saying one guy they might be a little more fresh. I mean maybe, but I mean look at and you can even go farther back. You know, thinking in terms of what he's done in November. Do you realize that Madison has more carries than anybody in the month of November? Does not surprise me. In the FBS ranks. Oh, FBS, no. He has... Oh, yeah, nationally. He is, he is number one. But more than that, the, the number that stands out to me is the fact that he's averaging over five yards per carry now. And that is a credit not only to him and his, and his willingness to take on that kind of tip of the spearhead kind of role. That's credit to the offensive line, too, which we saw in this first matchup that ended up being a very significant advantage, too, for the Broncos. The Bulldogs were not able to get a lot of push up front in the first matchup. And if there's one thing I'm concerned about, it's the fact that when you look back at what the Bulldogs have done over conference play, they are next to last in tackles for loss. And while on a per play basis that the run defense has been fine, you know, it's it's about three and a half yards per carry on the season and about 3.65 in conference play. But that's a dangerous game to play. And yeah. we saw that Boise State basically blew that up the first time around. Because I, and I went back and watched this game. And I went back and I looked at the uh, the overall box score. And we know that Madison ran for 144 yards. His longest run was only 14 yards, though. But you know what the difference was? Kept running, right? Second half, could give him the ball. It, it was that they, they didn't get enough havoc up front. Yeah. Most of the havoc that was created was through the secondary. And Madison ended up with a success rate, which is, you know, 50% of yards on first down, 70% on second, 100% on third or fourth. He had a success rate of 60%, and he had an opportunity rate of 60% too. So he was getting to the second level more often than not against the Bulldogs' defense. And Brett Rippon who, even though he isn't necessarily known as a runner per se, let's not forget that he had a hand in Boise State picking up some crucial first downs too. You know, He had a success rate of 57%. So they were able to move the ball at will on the ground against this defense. And so one of the things that I'm looking forward to seeing is how the Bulldogs answer that. Because 
they have put a couple of new guys in the starting lineup in the last couple of weeks. Replaced Jashad Haynes and, and Kevin Atkins, who uh, I'm, I'm, I think Haynes at least is still struggling with injury a little bit. But they put Patrick Bellany and Katie Ayakopo in the starting lineup the last two weeks. And if you look back at what this team has done on the ground, they gave up less than three yards per carry to San Diego State, and then they did it again last week at the Spartans. And so those two guys up front, while still unproven, I, I, I would give the advantage to Boise State along that line too, mm-hmm. on the defensive line. But those two guys are going to play a huge role if the Bulldogs are able to turn this game around on, on the Broncos. I'd say one quick thing too. Receiving, it's... Mattis has more receptions, but the two backs for Fresno State, when you look at like receptions, like Ronnie Rivers has 21, and then uh, not Jordan Sites receiver. I had an organizer yeah, here a moment ago. Jordan Mims and Ronnie Rivers both have yeah. 21 catches apiece, and so they're both averaging over 13 yards a catch. Yeah, but then again, yeah, Madison gets 27 on the air, and so it's like, okay, well, what are you going to do? But he's also only getting six yards a, a attempt on a reception, I should say. So, yeah, so that's, and that's what I'm saying. They've just found different ways mm-hmm. to incorporate the running backs into this offense that has made it a more pass-first friendly attack. It's true. I mentioned, yeah, let's kind of roll into kind of everything else here. I thought one of Fresno's keys to win is that they have the running game. That's good. Keyshawn Johnson, amazing. I think the big difference could be Rice at tight end. Absolutely. Because if they get the running game involved, whether it's short passing no, I haven't mentioned passing yesterday. Like, here's the thing: you have the three le- le- levels. Like, Keyshawn can go downfield to get great plays. Uh, you have Jared Rice, maybe over the middle, stuff like that. And then the re- running backs get those shorter receptions. There's three three areas of the field that Boise State has to accompany for, which they have the defenders to do it. But it's not like they could. Okay, we're going to focus on Keyshawn and the running game, or we're just going to focus on Rice and the short passing game from the running backs. And who cares if they go deep down the field? They're not going to get that. They, mm-hmm. If they're on their game, they have to keep track of each spot. So everybody clean, clean sweep for tight end, which not it's partly because Boise doesn't use the tight end as much this year. But then again, the tight end for Fresno is far, far and away above. So I think it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, and that was one of the more subtle turning points in, in the first matchup was I remember there was at least one drop that Jared Rice had, and I think it was either in the second or the third quarter, but it would have, it would have been for a first down. And I think that that was an instance where Fresno State didn't end up moving the ball that much on that drive. And so I think you're absolutely right, because in the first matchup, he ended up with six targets, which was third on the team, but he only had three catches. And if he can improve that just a little bit, you know, we saw him be a difference maker in last year's championship game. True, yeah. Is that going to happen again? I think if it does, that's going to improve Fresno's chances dramatically. So, okay. Um, where's, oh, I'm sorry, I spaced out for half a second. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, I apologize. Let's do this. Um, we kind of mentioned offense line a little bit. Where, um, What was your edge? Like, real quick, who was your edge? Was it? It's pretty split down the middle here. It's one, two, three, four. It's Boise by, by hair. I guess I'm a little surprised that it was so close because I thought – Boise State had a clear advantage on the offensive line. And that, to me, goes back to what I was talking about earlier as far as Madison's improved performance down yeah. the stretch. Mm-hmm. For for as good as he has been, that's not only a credit to him. That's a credit to the guys that they put on the offensive line uh, 
and John Ujuku and, and the other guy's name escapes me. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Roger or someone is yelling it at their stereo right now. But the guys that they put into the starting lineup have made a tremendous difference. And we saw it in the first matchup against Fresno State that the Bulldogs were not able to really get any pressure on Ripon at all. Like they had one sack, but more often than not, he was able to stand back and have a lot of time to throw and to really take advantage of what I consider to be another of their strengths. It was that wide receiver. So, I mean, it's kind of a, it's kind of a chess match. I see it where the, I feel like I talk about things now that I was talking about a month ago when I was thinking about the first game, because I think a lot of those things are still true. You know, if, Fresno State's disadvantage on the defensive line can't get to Ripon and can't slow down Alexander Madison. Eventually, that's going to come back to bite them. So, well, I, th- I think the reason the difference would be, I have to kind of go through some numbers, because Boise allows a decent amount of sacks. Maybe that's why they're offensive line. They allow 30 sacks so far. Fresno only 10. I think they've been a little better down the stretch about that, though. Yeah, I just kind of looking overall is kind of curious because – They've been in well, – actually, not really. They're actually in conference play, 20 sacks compared to 10 overall in non-conference play. So I, that's that's my one error. That's why I, I chose Fresno over because that was my reasoning right there because sacks sack allowed. is like, come on, they get to Rippin. Like, also, we see when Rippin struggles, it's because he's getting hit and sacked and pressured. And so – Well, and that but that also goes back to another strength that I don't know if it comes down to a position – you group necessarily. Brett Rippon has still been really good on passing downs. Yeah, that's a third and, down thing. Yeah, yeah, and so and that was one of the things that really made the difference in the first matchup was that McMarion was only seven of fifteen for ninety-five yards. Rippon was five of seven, mm-hmm. and so they were putting him in positions to succeed where he didn't really need to make that many plays. But even when he did. You know, he was making them more often than not. And that was something that we saw last week against the Utah State Aggies, too. You go back and look at the stat sheet for that game. On those same passing downs, he was 12 of 15 for 162 yards. He was basically aces when they needed him to make plays the most. And that has been one of the big stories of the season. Because if you go look at just passing downs, S&P Plus, they're still 10th in the country. And for as good as Fresno State's secondary has been defending on passing downs, because on defense, the Bulldogs are sixth in that same metric. We saw Boise State win that particular kind of situational football the first time around. And if they do it again, that's going to put the Bulldogs on their back foot. All right, then. Um Let's go to defense, I guess. We we don't we just gonna be long show. We gotta kinda hustle along here a little bit. We don't okay. want we don't want it too long. Even though we could. So anything else not oh, I guess receivers, right? Um here's what was pointed out yesterday in our other show we did. I voted for Fresno State because they have the best receiver by far. Um and Keisha Johnson may be the best player in the field, possibly. Maybe. But our thinking or mine was Fresno's number one, but the depth might favor Boise State. It definitely bit. favors Boise State. So, what is what do you think? Like Boise's defense needs to do just uh, keep because, like I mentioned, if they get Rice going, if they get their short passing game going, can they just can they afford to have a guy shadow or put maybe even Tyler Horton the whole game on Keyshawn Johnson take him out and make anybody else beat them? Is that worth it to do for Boise? State? Like where can they afford to put their best defender and maybe another guy nearby and open other things up? 
I mean, I think they can because that's kind of one of the biggest reasons they beat Fresno State the first time around was that they were able to put a lot of pressure on McMarion. And to me, that speaks to the advantage that Boise State has in their pass rush. They're basically number one in the Mountain West as far as total sacks, whether you look at the entire season, whether you look at conference play. We just recently crowned Curtis Weaver as the defensive player of the year. And I, you know, even though I didn't vote for him personally, I don't have a problem with that because he was very good down the stretch. And if he can get in there and terrorize the, the Bulldogs again, you know, he and Jabril Frazier are, are two more guys that are going to have a huge impact on this game one way or the other. Because if Fresno State can do a better job of protecting, that's going to give them an edge. But if they fall prey to the same kind of, uh, you know, breakdowns that they had the first time around, that's going to give Boise State an advantage. All right. So let's go to the full on defense then. So it, okay. it depends because you're right because – they, boy, I just. Well, let me ask you this: If Keyshawn doesn't have a big game, who would be that second receiver that's not Rice? Who is I your mean, number two wideout that would say, I, "This guy's going to make plays because he's done it throughout the year"? Well, it's got to be Jameer Jordan. Okay, and that was something that in the article that I think you were posting sometime tomorrow, Friday. You know, that was you know, his presence was a big difference maker when they won in Fresno last year. He had four catches, 94, 91 yards, excuse me, and including the the big kind of diving catch down the sideline that energized the Bulldogs in that game. But in last year's championship, he was basically a non-factor. And in the game a few weeks ago, he didn't really get many looks at all. Like he wasn't even among the top five as far as targets. So I think if they can find ways to get him into space and take advantage of his speed, that was something that we haven't really seen in the last two matchups between these two teams. So I guess if there's like a kind of a hidden X factor per se, I think it's Jordan. Okay. All right. Let's go to defense. And that, I was just curious because Rice is the number two guy. He has three, um, and then Jordan has what, three touchdowns on 25 catches. So yeah, but he's also leading the team with 16.1 yards per catch. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why he's a difference maker. That's right. Go down, fill play action, get the running game going over the top. Boom. Touchdown. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, right? <laughs> Hopefully. That's the idea. All right. So we got a defense. Um, this might be a bit quicker. Defensive line is almost as – boy, she got a slight edge. Probably because where do you put Curtis Weaver? Is he a lineman or linebacker? I was kind of joking. Like, what, how does that co- configure into your ranking of who's better in linebacker or defensive line? <laughs> I, I always consider the stud position to be like a defensive end position, but I guess it's, it could go either way. It's – I don't know. Regardless, because when, when you look at the depth chart, they, it goes defensive end, nose tackle, defensive tackle, stud. Yeah, and so I don't know. Like maybe it doesn't it's, make a huge difference. It's probably just where they put the strong guy. But defensive line favors Boise by a bit. And like I said, it's like if it's Frazier, if it's Weaver, if it's whoever's in there, it, there's going to be guys making plays. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Is that where did where, where did you fall in fall in online of this one? Well, I thought that Boise had a pretty substantial edge. Me too. On the on the defensive line, not only because of Weaver and and Jabril Frazier, but the other guys I think are finally starting to get healthy. You know, like Sonatani Louie, I believe, is expected back. Yeah, he's going to so. play a big role in this game. You know, Chase Atata, I think he's 100%. Durant Miles, I'm pretty sure, is 100%. So if those guys are game to play. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're able to do what they've what they did in the first matchup, which was basically shut down the running game and force McMarion to make plays. And also, I know they had some injuries. These guys have been playing more. 
because they've yeah. had like David Miller's out. They have a few other guys out. I'm trying to whoever him and others. They're actually getting. Well, that, they're actually time. very. I've, I've seen a lot of Boise State fans very high on. Uh, I feel like I'm gonna pull a U right now. <laughs> uh, Skelly Agehan sounds good to me. True freshman, six foot two, three hundred pounds. There you go. He's a guy. That I, I'm pretty sure this might be the first time we've mentioned him on the podcast all season long. I'd agree. But if he's in that rotation and he's a disruptive up front, that is going to be something that Fresno's going to have to account for. I think not to go back to offensive line back and forth, but remember last year didn't wasn't a Fresno Boise game in Boise the first time McMarion was sacked more than once. I'm pretty sure, yeah, they they sacked him twice. Yeah, at least two times, maybe three. I think it two. But this will come back to the same strength for strength kind of. Fresno's only allowed ten sacks all year, and mm-hmm. so that's something where yeah, the Boise line is great. But it's going up against a really good offensive line as well, and so. But they we saw last week, last time when they got pressure, they were not necessarily sacks, but stopping the running game. And so, well, they gave up 10, 10 sacks all season. Three of them were to Boise State. Oh, there were. Um, I must have been sorry. I must have been spaced on something else. Never mind. They did get to him. I was thinking. Oh, I was thinking Utah State game. Never mind. That's a bit different for Boise Utah State. So they got some improvement there. Whatever. My my points mute because I got the wrong game mixed up with sacks. Too many games. Too many teams, Matt. Um, but. You're right. But Fresno has some – they can make some plays. They're not like, oh, whatever, we're not the better line. But they got to do better than last time because do you want Madison to get five, six, seven yards of carry against you? They can't let that happen again. They need to do something else to get in and say – not say, but do it and, like, stop the running game. Don't let Madison bully you around. Let him just push you around. Because look how strong he is. He took – take you guys with him to get those extra yardage. And so it's him, and we'll see. It's fine, but that's – is it? Do you think this is the most significant edge, maybe that Boise has? I think so, because okay. that has been kind of one of the biggest differences in the last two matchups. Okay, no, that that makes complete sense. All right, good linebacker. Um, also very close to this one, because um, well, I doubt it's close, but apparently not our voters. Everybody put Fresno, but one. No, I mean I, that's that's fine by fine by me. Of I had Fresno with an edge too. <laughs> well, they apparently do have the defensive player of the year. Yeah, that, that doesn't hurt, right? <laughs> no, but like him, Frazier versus Allison. This, uh, what, what do you? I think that maybe if they're afraid of the running, not afraid, but concerned, running game could be as well. These guys need to make more plays a little bit. Like if the, if it starts getting where the running game gets going, it could be a double edged sword. Bring a guy up, bring up, do a run blitz. But if they start doing that, that's when the play action can get you to somebody across the middle. Like we see, I don't. I'm not sure if Hightower is going to play for Boise State. John Hightower this week, I don't recall, but he's a guy that can get those quick passes and score, score DP at three versus New Mexico, mm-hmm. and they weren't all like deep long passes. And so that is something where this linebacker group so good, good get to the quarterback, do what Malik Reed did, do what San Diego State did, do what Oklahoma State did, just knock ripping around if they're going to win. That's what I think the big grudge because not to go back to quarterback, but get to rip in. It's it's simple. Any quarterback that happens, but he. If they get to him and hit him and knock him around, he'll make throws. Sometimes he won't make throws. And so I think that linebacker group probably, like I mentioned, focus helped the running game. Maybe their more important job is to sack Rippin. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to say, I don't want to dismiss Boise State's linebackers out of hand. No, you they're know, good. Jermaine Frazier's really good. Come on. Yeah, yeah, not only Frazier, but you know, Tyson Maeve has been mm-hmm. solid yeah. in the middle. And Ezekiel Noah has very quietly played pretty well down the stretch. You know, three and a half tackles for loss. You know, only a half sack, but he had four run stuffs. And on plays that he's in, you know, opponents are only averaging about four yards per play. So if if he can step up and be 
you know, a run stopper, kind of like in the, in, in the way that he was a few weeks ago and the way that he's been down the stretch, that's going to be a huge asset. So I think that I would favor Fresno State just because of their, you know, they haven't had the same kind of injury issues. They've been playing together all year long and they've been very productive. But I don't want to undersell what Boise State's been able to do in these last few weeks, breaking in new guys who are pretty good themselves. Yeah, um, I don't know. We'll see. It's, oh, man. All right, so let's go to the secondary really quick. I would say this is kind of like the opposite of the Fresno receiving group compared to the other team. Because Tyler Horton, he missed a couple games. His overall numbers aren't eye-popping, but he has three defensive touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to say that's a game, what's going what's gonna to happen, and why they'll win, even though I sometimes am somehow good at predicting special teams shenanigans that go my way <laughs> in mm-hmm. picking some of these. But the edge is close. Oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even do the math here because Fresno has like Juju Hughes. They have, um, oh, shoot, Allen back there. No, not, yeah, right? Am I? Are you talking about Mike Bell? Mike, I, I don't know where Allen can. They have Tank too, right? And, and Thula Kelly, yeah. There we go. They have everybody back there. I, I'm mixing everybody up today. Um, what's, what's new, right? Come on. Um, they have a very good secondary. The depth for Fresno is much better than depth for Boise State. Is that sound correct? Yes. But Horton, who pick six, fumble recovery, stripped the ball. That could be a game maker. See, here's the thing, though. I think that the Bulldogs have an edge in the secondary, but that's not going to matter if, as in the first matchup, they can't get pressure up front. And sure. and that is a credit not only to Rippon, but to the receivers, where they made plays down the stretch in this first matchup a few weeks ago. You know, A.J. Richardson had a big catch. Sean Monster had a couple big catches. And Khalil Shakir was he was the one that ended up scoring the game winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. So all of, all of their playmakers were able to contribute in some way. And that's no disrespect to the way that the secondary played. They just, you know, they can only do so much for so long. And I think that, you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily unfair to say that aside from Horton, you know, Boise state's, yeah, they've been okay in the secondary. That's, no, that's completely fair. Like, even I mean, Williams, just look, look, like, look at the look at the difference in havoc rate, for instance, in percentage <laughs> percentage of TFLs, pass defense, force fumbles, stuff like that. Boise State on the season is 106th. Fresno State is 13th. There you go. That's a difference. Game over. But that is <laughs> but that's entirely going to depend on how what the yeah. players up front can do. Yeah, you because, give quarterback time, it, it's like he's going to find Avery. Not Avery. Geez, he's going to find Monster. He's going to find whoever's downfield. Maybe Madison gets a screen and goes off because he's the guy who breaks away after. You know what I mean? Like, stuff could happen if you don't give. Plays break down, too. Like you said, like if they get pressure, or not, excuse me, rephrase that. If they don't get pressure and Ripon hangs out three, four, five, six seconds, coverage will eventually break down. Somebody's going to be open, especially if it's. Um, not a three man three man rush, but say it's just a typical four or five guy going after quarterback, and mm-hmm. it's fairly even in that secondary. It's like what six on four, five on four, and somebody slips out, makes a cut, improvises because they realize the play shouldn't be taking ten seconds to get open, mm-hmm. and that's where crazy stuff can happen. So you got to do both, right? You got to get to the quarterback and try to still cover your guy, but it's a uh, it's a we'll see, man. That's all I can say, right? We will see. Yeah, but that's a, that's a key point in the game. Yeah. Special teams. Do you, do you care? Yes, we should care very much, right? We should because both of these special teams are um iffy. Yeah, cuz I um seen Oklahoma State game versus Boise State. I've seen 
San Diego State versus Boise State. Uh, yeah, so I've seen field goal kicks been blocked. I've seen missed kicks. I've seen – we've basically seen it all from either side, well, good and bad. Well, we saw this game a few weeks ago where special teams came in and nearly mm-hmm. made a, a huge difference in how it played out. Yeah, you know, not only in the fact that – what was it? Hayden Hogarth missed a field goal? Um, that first field goal, or, yeah. Or was it Asa Fuller that missed? I don't, I, know. I don't remember who, but they, they switched court kickers. Let's say it. Let's let's put it like this. Blake Cusick has been a weapon for Fresno State all season long, but what happened in the first matchup was that Boise State was able to turn Fresno State's field position game against them. Let's not forget that the average field position there was a difference of nearly ten yards between these two teams the first time around, with Boise State coming out way ahead. I'm guessing that's not going to happen twice. It's hard to predict that because what if there's just a good defensive stop somewhere? Like, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, it take, I, yeah. I feel like if the offense gets bogged down, Blake Cusick is going to play a much bigger role in this game than he did in the first game. Yeah, but more, I, to the, more to the point, neither of these kickers are very good. There's not. There's no um, no John Barron out there kicking. No Cooper Rush kicking to this game. And if, if you recall the first matchup where when they were down seven, they chose to kick a 50-yard field goal with Asa Fuller, oh, and, that, and it got blocked, right? Yeah. Naturally, yes. I can guarantee you that they're not going to do that again. Whoever wins this game is going to need touchdowns to do it. So we would because, punt, you'd because punt? That's he- it. What would you do? Wait, help, would you punt, though? Heaven help the team that has to rely on their kicker in this game. Because Watch, <laughs> Watch this game come down to a game-winning kick. Because it was one of those things where, where what was it? Uh, you know, he he Fuller just barely made the field goal right before halftime. Like snuck it right between the uprights, and then they sent it back out there again. And I'm, I'm, I was watching the game, and I was thinking, why, why are you doing this? Why not just go for it? And we saw that Boise State had a willingness to do that. Um, you know, they put the game in Rippon's hands in a couple of key situations and he made it pay off. And so I'm thinking that this game is going to unfold in such a way that they'll probably have to do it again. You know, it ended up being pretty even all things considered. Both of these teams were one of two on fourth downs, but don't be surprised if there's, if they're in those close and late situations where it's like, I don't know, fourth and three at the 35 or something like that, that they choose to put the game in the quarterback's hands because regardless of whichever team you were rooting for, that would be the move that I would make. So even if, say, it's like 4th and 7 at the 33-yard line, you would still punt? Go for it? No, I'd go for it. Would you? Okay, I'm asking this because sometimes when it's kind of far iffy to go for it or not, would you? Because 4th and 7 is not close, which means you're not running the ball, or at least you shouldn't run the ball because you're a dummy if you are that far out. Would you go for a home run play, and if it's picked off whoever, who cares? Or actually try to gain a first down and progress for points. Because if it gets picked off deep, uh, it's like a kind of a punt. I I know situation is everything, and you can't say a blanket statement, but I I might just go for it, man. Why? Because getting seven yards is not exactly extremely easy, especially fourth down, especially if you're the road team for if happens at Fresno. But I I'm, would just, say, I'm just hoping they're not running like five yard crossing routes on fourth and seven. Oh, no, that's really all I'm hoping for for no. for either team. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. I think based on what I've seen from these two teams, it's more likely that Boise State takes the shot. Yeah, but that doesn't necessarily preclude Fresno State from doing the same thing. 
Matt, will there will there be a Randall Cunningham style pooch kick in this game to punt the ball from the quarterback? Oh man, I wonder if there are odds on that. <laughs> because in the situations we're talking about, if it's like fourth and eight and you're at the thirty three yard thirty two yard line. I mean, that would be amazing, but in this kind of game with Backfire this kind dry. of stakes, <laughs> so bad. I, I would be shocked. I I just thought that because I'm thinking, if it's that scenario, keep your offense in there. You go four wide, one back next to you to help protect who knows what's coming at you. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I, would you like to see that happen just because of the no, options? No, I wouldn't. Would you like to see Boise try that? <laughs> If they're going to do that, they might as well just go to Cusick. <laughs> or or Quinn Skillen. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, have we exhausted all the options of this game since we're now talking trick special teams plays? I think we might be all set, yeah. Okay, let's give our I, – I teased it earlier, which who knows if you already saw this. I use um, Pick Center sometimes for to check out the numbers here. Over under 53 points. Mm-hmm. This one's about right. TeamRankings.com. Boise State 26.6 to 25.2. Smaller than the two and a half point line. Number Fire predicts a Fresno State victory, Matt. 29.5 to 28.1. Mm-hmm. I do know what S&P said. Has it changed since earlier in the week? Uh, based on the article that I pulled up today from Bill Connolly, it, I, I don't know what it said earlier in the week. But what? they have it, uh, Fresno State 31, Boise State 26. Oh, that's more. Because it said, well, maybe it's rounded. It's 4.1 at the stat profile. Mm-hmm. Does, that, does that make you nervous, scared? Holy crap, it's a five potential five-point win by what the computer calculations say? No, it's going to be closer than that. Is this going to come down to, like last year, essentially, the last title game where Fresno's dry, even though there wasn't like the game ceiling play, like, if they win, they wouldn't have won. There's still time left, if I recall. Is it going to come down to who has the ball last and scores? Not that it's going to be back and forth, but it'll come down to, like, a walk-off type play. I mean, the ins and outs of, of discussing all of these advantages and disadvantages on both sides of the football. It's going to be a tie. <laughs> if, there's, if there's one big takeaway from our listeners, it's that they're so interwoven with one another that the way that I see things going – I don't know if it's going to be a walk-off situation, but it's going to come down to like three or four instances where you can point to and say, if this had gone differently, the game would have been much different. You know, maybe it's Curtis Weaver dropping McMarion for a sack on like second and four, where all of a sudden it's third and long, they can't complete and they're forced to punt. And maybe Boise State turns that into a field goal. Maybe it's, you know, Blake Cusick pinning Boise State inside the 10 yard line at, you know, when the offense stalls at midfield. Maybe it's, you know, AJ Richardson with a, you know, one toe down catch for 40 yards down the sideline or, or something Keyshawn like that. Or Keyshawn Jensen battling Horton for a muscle play for a touchdown. Something like that. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those instances where these two teams are so even and so many different things can happen that. Like last year's championship game, like the game we just saw a few weeks ago, this game is going to be very close one way or the other. So what's your score prediction? I hate to say it, but I have Boise State winning this game. Okay. Uh, I have the Broncos winning 24-21. to Okay. That's a... 
That's close. It's tough. Yes, it's, yes um, it is. It's <laughs> like I said before. Boise is as undefeated at home versus Fresno the past year for forever. Uh, except for what, on the blue turf, and the, their only win was what nineteen eighty four. I want to say right. That's so forever. That's yeah. close. Long, yeah, basically forever. We're in the, we're the next century. Come on, folks. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's. I think it's going to be close. It's what would shock me the most if anybody wins by say twelve or more points. No, it's going to shock me if it's more than like four points. Oh, you think so? It'll be that close? Oh yes, yeah. It's going to be three points or fewer. Um, weather. There's potential for precipitation. That just throwing that out there. <laughs> Who do you think that favors if that happens? Nobody. The fa- it, I'll tell you, it doesn't favor the fans who are going to be stuck in rain and snow. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's that's a good point. Yeah. Favors me because I'm at my house watching. <laughs> all right, all right. That's that's a good uh, point too. Yeah, I, I don't. Disadvantage kicking special teams kicking, you know what I mean? Like if there's rain, balls wet, that's um does it help favors the special teams defense? I guess that because everybody has to deal with it together. Maybe the offense receivers a bit because if it's I don't know how wet it'll be. It's only like about a forty percent chance, so it's not like it's going to be a downpour, snow football, which would be amazing. Title game, snow football, New York Six game on the line, right? All right, Matt, I'm done talking weather. I'm done talking wet footballs special teams me being comfy watching this at home on my new tv which is black friday's fun so i made one good deal on black friday so your prediction again was a boy state victory correct am i yes i don't forget that 24 21 24 21 so i can't make that same pick because i was kind of in my wheelhouse what i was thinking why not man nobody's blaming you for making the same pick but what you're saying is that a field goal is going to decide this game yeah i'm gonna say 28 21 no, I can't because that's too many points. I can't do it. I'm going to pick Boise State because mainly because they're at home. And they don't lose at home, and that's kind of lame. But also they won last time. And I think uh, – I don't know. I, I'm i just going to go Boise State to win. I'll go uh, – I'll be a little different. I'll go 24-20. That's not that much different. But I get your I get your drift. I, it's, it's lame. <laughs> Come on, right? Come on, it's lame. No, it's not. Okay, well, one last question here, and we'll, I'll just be addressed to both of us here. More, okay. I guess, more so for you. Um, what's the one un, one player that's going to make a difference in this game? That's not like a star player. Besides all the people we talked about, essentially. Well, there's a couple guys you can bring up. I'm not going to say no. You can't, but like Burb is the difference. Duh, come on, McMarion, obviously big difference maker. Name like a player that's kind of uh, not the typical guy we hear of. Like, there's always that one guy who makes some crazy play, like a strip sack or. Is kick return or something like is there any player that you say hey this guy i could see this guy doing something that's not kind of a main guy well besides the the two new guys on the on the front defensive line uh ayakopo and and bellany mm-hmm. i think michael walker if he can show up and have a big game because he didn't leave the team in townhouse for a loss after all and he did have three sacks if he can find a way to solve ezra cleveland that's something to watch I'm going to go this way here. We kind of mentioned this guy's name, so don't crucify me too much. And this is for Fresno's reasoning, too, because we already picked Boise to win. I'm going to say, here's why Fresno may have that chance. I think it could be Jameer Jordan. Mm-hmm. We did mention him, so don't – and I kind of joked the play action over the top. Last time he played Boise State, he only had one for six. That's not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. He versus San Diego State, who arguably has an overall better secondary, he went two for 94 and a long touchdown. So I think he's going to have a game. It might be just um, look what he did versus UCLA, three for 53. I'm betting there's going to be one long touchdown pass, and it's going to be to him, and that's going to be kind of a, a difference in this game. 
Well, I'll throw one out there for Boise too, because why not? Yeah, we um, might as well. We can't be. Well, we are homers for Boise apparently, but whatever. Well, Khalil Shakir. Yeah, he's pretty good. Right. He was a difference maker in that first matchup. It would not be a surprise if he were a difference maker in a different kind of way. You know, maybe he doesn't go four for four as far as catches on targets, and maybe he doesn't quite score the game-winning touchdown. But don't be surprised if he makes a difference on the ground because that's something that he's done here and there all season long. And while the Bulldogs mostly held that in check, there's still something to keep an eye on. If he can get open on a fly sweep and make something happen with just one big play, like we've seen for the last 372 days, that one big play is often what it takes. That's true, one play. Because these teams are so close, so everything. They're they're spot on, essentially. All right, you know I'm going to hear Boise State. Um, how many returns does Avery Williams uh, doesn't have that many returns this year? Does he? Uh, not as much as you might expect. Um, he I... only has 15 punt returns to his name, and he's only averaging about eight and a half yards per carry. He's going to have a big return in this game and make a difference. All right. He's he's basically their main punt guy. Not great. Air Force he had a pretty good return. Um, Colorado State just a couple, but he's going to I look for a big punt return from him. Okay. Not necessarily touchdown, but maybe flip the field, short short field, which would in turn lead to a Boise State score because they have to go say fifty yards instead of eighty or thirty five instead of sixty. Yeah. So I'll I'll go with him because that's a in these case, it's not like it's a that's a shot in the dark. Not really shot in the dark because he had two look at last year two punt returns for touchdowns last year. He had that big one versus Fresno last year at forty one yards in two in the games in the second game. Excuse me. So. I predict him to have a uh, – if there's going to be a big difference that's not by kind of a major player, I think he'll be it for Boise. All right. I think we're done, right? An hour, of course, what we do, right? I think we are. Now all we can do is uh, <laughs> wait and see what happens. Sit back and wait until – for at least it's not a like a 7.30 Pacific kick, right? That's true. We can enjoy some games throughout the day. I recommend, obviously, UCF Memphis, Texas, Oklahoma. going to be, what? 64 to 63 i don't know something like that something like that yeah. something wild and also did you hear the golden hat is not in the line despite it being a rematch i did hear that are you i mean okay? that makes that makes sense because they do the same thing with the milk can in this boise state president state game for the broncos have the milk can and it's going to be theirs for another couple of years oh that's right because they don't play nice nice mm-hmm. slide nice dig a little bit or whatever or sad whatever yeah they need to keep for a couple years that's it for our show mwr.com check it out we are on a record streak of people visiting the site listening to the podcast so kudos to you for doing so thank you tell your friends to get this podcast if you already know you're listening and but it's your first time hey where do i get this again all i found on the website well obvious answer is itunes apple podcast stitcher spreaker tune in blog talk radio basically anywhere you can find a podcast i believe we're on last fm if you keep forgetting to check but basically, if you search Mountain West for our podcast, Matt, we're going to show up, right? Oh, yeah. And we'll be back, even if Fresno loses, to talk to Katie's Matt. <laughs> we'll be back Sunday to talk about this game. And then, who knows? It'll be exciting. So thanks for listening. Thanks for reading. And until next time, folks.